What's up, everybody? John Hoover, along with Ryan Chapman. This is the SI Sooners post-game podcast, episode 158. Nailed it. Nailed it. 158. You guys probably know by now. 23-20, Oklahoma loses again, this time at West Virginia. The Mountaineers just too good in the fourth quarter. Did I really say that? The Mountaineers too good in the fourth quarter. Outscored OU 10-0. Sooners did have 10 plays in the fourth quarter, but uh, West Virginia had 10 points. Yeah, uh, Ryan, let's break this thing down. What a, geez, what a, an abomination this game was. A nonstop rain, you know because you were out in it yeah. for the better part of four hours. Uh, so shout out you. Wait, hey, we're trying. Keep the power, <laughs> all that good stuff. Uh, it was tough. It was tough conditions for Ryan. It was certainly tough conditions for the Oklahoma Sooners and the West Virginia Mountaineers. But West Virginia made plays late in the game that Oklahoma did not, both offensive, defensive, and special teams. This was a, a, a Sooner disaster. They're 5-5 five and five now. What, what else can go wrong this season? Oh, well, there's two more games, John, so plenty, plenty more can go wrong. Um, you mentioned 5-5. Five and five. They're now 2-5 and five in conference play. That's tied for, yep, you guessed it, West Virginia and Iowa State. Yeah. That's great company that you want to be keeping. But you mentioned it, the conditions. Dylan Gabriel, if you just look at the stats, 17-28, a buck 90 through the air, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and you go, okay, this must have been a, a very measured kind of game manager-y performance like he had against Iowa State a couple weeks ago, for instance. And then you kind of dig into it, and the first quarter was the story of Dylan Gabriel couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. You flip it in the second quarter, and he wasn't helped by a couple of drops, a massive one being a Marvin Mims, what should have been a walk-in touchdown, just right over the middle of the field. And then in the third and fourth quarter, it was blatant that West Virginia, who is the 100 and 18th ranked pass defense coming into this game in the country said Oklahoma can't throw the football and Eric Gray rushed for 211 yards and two touchdowns but it's a lot easier to load the box up and say Eric Gray's not going to absolutely beat us on his own when, when Oklahoma couldn't throw the football and on the other side Neil Brown made a quarterback change went to a more mobile quarterback in Garrett Green and while the West Virginia running game wasn't just awe-inspiring or anything like that Oklahoma couldn't account for the quarterback and the running back on all those plays. And as a result, West Virginia got into third and short, fourth and short, and they were seven and 19 on third downs and four of four, four of five on fourth downs. And that absolutely killed Oklahoma that the unfortunate thing is the defense played well considering how they've been the last couple of weeks. And in the end, I don't know if they wore down, if they got scared, if, if they're just not clutch, like you've kind of been exploring, but uh, when it mattered the most, everything about Oklahoma cratered. Yeah, Sooners one of 11 on third down, 0 for two on fourth down. That's not gonna get it done in any realm when you're giving up that many third down and fourth down conversions, including a sneak, including some sneaky play by the backup quarterback, Garrett Green, who was just elusive. He, I mean, he was the second coming of Adrian Martinez. Well, he, his, uh, this won't go down as a touchdown, but the play that got West Virginia down to the two-yard line, he turned the wrong way. Like, he, <laughs> he had the run play wrong, and he said, oh, I'm just going to start scrambling, and he, he just bobs and weaves the OU defense. Creative stuff there, creative quarterbacking, uh, something that Oklahoma didn't have enough of. Um, it, it, I thought Jeff Levy had a good game as a play caller. I thought he called some good plays, but at the same time, um, in this rainstorm, he said it. Uh, in the fourth quarter, he had to take the ball out of Dylan Gabriel's hands. He said, he, I hate it, but I had to do it. 
because it was raining so hard and it was so cold. They, what they did was they turned it over to Eric Gray. Like you said, 211 yards, and he was fantastic. He's over 1,100 yards on the season now. Um, two touchdowns, so it brings his total to 10, I think, on the season. He's having a hell of a year, a really bright spot for a team that's having a dark season. Yeah, and Jeff Levy kind of said it best after the game. Eric is Eric. And, but he went on to also say that he's been fantastic all year long, and he just feels bad that Eric can't enjoy it because of what you're seeing here, 5-5, five 2-5 and five, two and five in Big 12 play. And, oh, by the way, the first loss to West Virginia since the Mountaineers entered the Big 12 conference. So um, Eric Gray has been the lone bright spot. And, yep. and even – um, guys that have been really good but, but not really talked about because Oklahoma's losing games. So people that fall into that category are, are guys like kickers, like Zach Schmidt, who, who goes for a touchdown in Ames. Today, box one field goal off the uprights, well short on another, shanks a kickoff. Um, then when he did kick it off, there was another busted uh, coverage on a kickoff, like Brett Riddles talked about this last Tuesday. Busted coverage, but he kicked it short and caught it at like the eight yard yeah. line. Yeah. You gotta put that one in the end zone. Yeah, well, it, I'd also say that you saw from the very first field goal that he didn't have the leg that he normally does. At some point, the coverage team has to adjust and say, we have to buckle down and know that in these conditions, what, what's the cliche thing? It's cold, it's wet, the football gets like a rock and is very hard to kick. You saw that on the very first field goal of the game when Schmidt left that thing four or five yards short. So I think the kick coverage should have known the reality of the situation is you're not gonna boom anything at the back of the end zone in these yeah. conditions. Yeah, and Ryan, I'll tell you, I watched pregame uh, pre warmups and Schmidt was kicking off, just off a tee, just like the little thing that puts pressure on the ball to hold the ball upright so you can kick it. Not a holder, not a snap, not a rush. He was just running up to the ball and kicking it 54 yards and it was coming up short. It was landing in the end zone. So when they lined up to kick it from 54, I said, what is Brent Venables doing? Did he not have anybody out here watching pregame warmups? 54 yards is too far for Zach Schmidt. Now, as Brent said, the 46 yarder, he hit it halfway up the upright. So that tells you, as Brent said in the post game, he had plenty of leg. That's a, that's a variable though, in the, in the wind, into the wind, uh, in, into the rain, that's a variable. Yes, the, the, the further away you get, the smaller that box becomes. You know this, you played soccer. Yeah. Um, the angles become a little tighter. So um, I just think that's there's so many variables on a day like today that, yeah, he did have plenty of leg. He missed it yeah. because, because it's so far away. It's 46 yards into the wind, into the rain. So uh, fourth and three is what that was. Venables could have absolutely gone for it, but he explained why he didn't. He said, given all that went wrong throughout the day, I didn't feel good about converting that fourth down right there. So you can't, can't kind of blame him right there. I, yeah, that, that's the weird thing is that um, in, a, in a normal season, a normal game, we would take that decision to not go for it and put it under a, not just a microscope, John, we'd be looking at it with a telescope <laughs> because it, it would have been so magnified. But uh, especially when you turn around and that gives West Virginia the ball with about six and a half minutes left and they used every single second of that yeah. but the fact that dylan gabriel was so just up and down but mostly down in these conditions where jeff levy had admitted like we talked about after the game that he had taken the ball out of his hands that would have been a run play on fourth and three yep. oklahoma was not reliably in the fourth quarter picking up any kind of yardage much less that and the other aspect of it too is the undisciplined plays those reared their ugly head 
Yet again, there was a fourth and one in the second quarter, I believe. It was the second or third quarter, so it was coming at me from the south end zone. Apologies, that's how I keep track of these things down there. But, um, and you had a guy jump up for a false start, which then put Gabriel in a fourth and six that he didn't even get close to converting. Right. So, yeah. I, think I think that Brett was Savion Bird. I think it was Rain that was flagged for it, but it was Savion Bird who did the twitch. Yeah, it was uh, the right guard. Whoever yep. was lined up at right yep. guard on that play. Um, and so I, I think that for Brett Venables, he had seen a similar enough situation just a couple of quarters earlier that he said, let's rock with the kicker. So, yeah. the, and that shows how just dire straits it is for Oklahoma right now that when's the last time in Oklahoma offense you didn't have any confidence to go out and get three yards? Hmm. Trying to think. Not since uh, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly this, not since then. So, um, you know what's interesting about this is is Oklahoma the defense the defense played a good game except for when they didn't if that makes sense except for when they missed all those tackles when they gave up all those third down conversions uh, they get an interception on the first drive of the game and you're thinking JT Daniels you're done you know they the Oklahoma defense is going to eat you up no they 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 had the interception the offense went nowhere the offense has got to be better than that not just Again, complimentary football and eh, didn't happen yeah not just i think we need to start calling it insulting football it's the opposite <laughs> of complimenting each other uh but not just the interception john oklahoma's defensive line created pressure in the first quarter when yeah, and they did it consistently for yes, an entire quarter and we've talked about that, you know, you have the David Aguebu sack and the Jordan Kelly sack, mm -hmm. and that's that's the end of list for Big 12 play. Uh, the Nebraska games, the last time it looked like they had any pressure. Four sacks in their last six games. Yeah, and um, that was the most jarring thing for me in the first quarter. I think I tweeted that out because I wasn't able to get into the uh, live blog on Tempest for um, stadium stuff, you know. But I uh, was able to fire out a tweet where I was just like, this is the first time the defensive line has consistently created pressure since Nebraska before then. And then the, the quarterback change meant that you had to account for the run game with Garrett Green. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly Oklahoma's over-pursuing their rush lanes again. It, it's the same stuff you saw that, that began against Adrian Martinez in Kansas State and has kind of moved its way through. And I thought they were actually pretty good against the – traditional non-quarterback run game today bottled that up they had a couple of tip passes at the line even when green went in uh, they had another fumble that that looked like oh gosh here you go here you go and, and it looked like a key lawrence type play even though he wasn't playing today and but yeah it, it was not enough because you can't be great on only half the downs and they were great on first and second down and gave up too many third and fourth down conversions yeah. garrett green changed the game as simple as that uh neil brown putting him in was a risk. He had played in six games. I think he was six of thirteen on the season. Had a hundred yards passing. Uh, he wasn't. He's not. He's played. He's played some, but he hasn't gotten a ton of experience. Um, Neil Brown said, "We got three games to win. We got to win three games to get to a bowl game. We're three and six. Let's change it up." And he did. It's so bold. Um, Oklahoma doesn't have that luxury. They don't have that guy on the bench that they can go to. But if they did, would Brent Venables do that? Would he I pull? And Jeff Levy, would he pull Dylan Gabriel if he had to? Because Gabriel played pretty bad. That's how people saying, throw in General Booty. Throw in Nick Evers. I'm not sitting here saying that. I would have disagreed with that call. You've got the most experienced quarterback. Play him, even if he's playing bad. But the question becomes, at some point, he's playing bad enough, uh, missed enough throws today, 
And like like Levy said, had to take the ball out of his hands in the fourth quarter. Is there a chance that they could do that? And would Brent Venables make that call? I don't like we saw the last two years at Texas right. with Lincoln Riley. I, based off what we've seen this year, I don't think so because he, here's the thing that was rattling through my brain the entire second half. It's clear, very clear, that you do not trust Dylan Gabriel to throw the football. You didn't trust Dylan Gabriel to throw the football in the second half last week against Baylor either, uh, but they had to because they were 10 points behind. You can't go, like we've seen Davis Bevel, so calling for Davis Bevel is not an option. Yeah. What happened to that Wildcat that they've been happy to throw in? If, if the ground game's the only thing that's yeah. going to get you there. Maybe they didn't rep it this week. Braden Willis, something like that. I, I wonder if they were worried about the slippery ball um, moving to Braden Willis and, and having a fumble, something like that. Yeah, but Too many reads, too many, too much movement, yeah, too much mesh. It, 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 but the movement went away, too. It didn't seem like anyone was in motion, even though Gabriel was running it. The offense looked totally adrift and lost for ideas. Yep. and. It's another week where you see Marvin Mims dropping footballs. Um, he tried to catch a ball up here, if you're watching on video, up here by his face. That's not how you catch it. Marvin knows. You catch it, cradle it, put your pinkies together, and, and in it comes like that over your shoulder. I don't know what he thought he was doing by reaching up, trying to fight that ball. It's, it, the velocity's coming on you. The rain's hitting you in the face. Let it settle in. It, uh, it, he's got to be disappointed by that one. Yeah, he's got to be. And he said what after the game? He, with the hands? Yeah, he talked about how the gloves were getting really cold or wet. slippery, wet. Yep. So he tried to go without the gloves, and then his hands were cold, so he couldn't grip the football. So then he just changed gloves. And I, I, I wasn't standing right there for Marvin Mims. I think I was with uh, Dylan Gabriel when, when Marvin Mims was going. But guys, this is. I wrote this story, it's on allsuits.com. This is not Oklahoma's first battle with weather in Morgantown. Yeah. Like, it's a little ridiculous that in 2016, you have an offense that trudges through snow. In 2018, it wasn't snowy and wet, but it was colder than this as far as uh, night game, everything like that, and you had a couple defensive scores, all that stuff. It's inexcusable for, like, I was cold, I was not sprinting around yeah. playing football. And West Virginia was just fine. They weren't dropping the ball. Were there bad passes? Sure. But they were not dropping the football. The, Oklahoma did not handle the conditions. And it just, it's not a very mentally tough team. We've, no. it, we've alluded to it a bunch and, and probably tried not to be so aggressive and hammering that. But the conditions, whether it's, hey, you give up a fourth down and you can't respond. If it's the offense, anytime the defense gives you a turnover, like after the Danny Stutzman interception, was it a three and out for the Oklahoma offense? It yes. was awful, awful. There's no carrying momentum, taking momentum. It's a very mentally weak football team based off the results that we're seeing week in, week out. They've been that way all through conference play. I think that's about the only play, the only way you can square that. They led 10 to nothing off the, off the uh, jump. Uh, they led 12 to six after Billy Bowman scoops up that uh, botched uh, kick. Uh, RJ Robert Spears Jennings, you know, ram runs into the kicker, rams himself into the kicker, and <laughs> dislodges the ball. Yeah, I love how he plays. He plays 100 miles an hour. RJ does. Uh, but it's 12-6, and you're going into halftime, and everything's looking good. Uh, you've just given up a touchdown at the end of the half, but then uh, you come out and give up a touchdown at the beginning of the third quarter. It's all of a sudden you're down 13. But you get up in 20 to 13, and you're thinking, okay. About four times in this game, you thought, okay, here, here's where Oklahoma's creating separation. Here's where Oklahoma is, is getting a little bit of distance between themselves and West Virginia. 
And it never really materialized because they never could deliver that, that knockout punch, that last blow to, to create that separation. Yeah, and that was on the offense for not being able to move. I think that was also credit to uh, Garrett Green for coming in. They had a good drive coming out of the half. Also, though, taking credit off of Oklahoma's plate, when Oklahoma took control for that little portion of the first half, do you remember what happened? Neil Brown went back to JT Daniels for, oh, yeah, yeah. for another drive or two. After, after the Garrett Green spark, it went poorly. Green comes back in, leads West Virginia down the field, and finally Neil Brown says, never mind, mm -hmm. screw it, and I'm just going to roll with Garrett Green the rest of the way, and that's the last time that Oklahoma had any control. It, it wasn't like West Virginia was just overwhelming or anything like that, but it was a dogfight from there on out, and I think that the crowd was a huge part of that. I, I don't know if you noticed this, John, but on the field, Every time JT Daniels came back into the game, groans, <laughs> groans, boos, all of it. Wow. Uh, when when I in the first and fourth quarter when I was in the north end zone, there was a guy that was like, nothing short, nothing short. Every single snap, tired of the dink and dunk and dink and dunk. Uh, this was not a packed West Virginia crowd. It wasn't an especially lively West Virginia crowd at kickoff. But when Green came into the game, this stadium turned and it was loud for how, it was not like few fans, but it wasn't at capacity. There were empty seats everywhere, the weather and how bad West Virginia plays into it. Green lifted this West Virginia team. He lifted the sideline, he lifted the fans, and and Neil Brown and Graham Harrell, their play calling didn't have to be anything special because he was just making guys miss. And so I, I think that too, uh, Oklahoma didn't take advantage of when JT Daniels was still in the game and left enough kind of uh, there to, to be taken. We talked about the Savion Bird flinch on uh, on fourth down that made them have to back up and punt it. Um, he's a sophomore. He's a, he's really getting on the field this year for the first time. He's a young player, inexperienced player. What about some of the mistakes the freshman made though? Uh, R. Mason Thomas had the personal foul. I think it was the face mask. The face mask. Yeah, face mask against Green. I think it was against Green. Um, and then Grayson Halton lines up offsides on a on a fourth and 15. You line up offsides on a fourth and 15. Again, freshman, you you excuse a lot of the mistakes. But uh, yeah, when you talk about uh, young guys getting on the field in clutch situations, it's cold, it's wet, it's raining, uh, it's windy, they're distracted. You know, things have not gone well for them this year. They've thrown into a game, and all of a sudden, i got to go out here in the fourth quarter on fourth down. I'm, I'm a freshman, and I'm playing on the defensive line. Remember when we talked a lot about last year about why are um, all these backups uh, on the defensive line? Why is Nick Benito not out there? Why is Perry on Winfrey last year? You and I had that discussion 100 times last year. Yeah, the, the decisive drive in Waco. Decisive drives in several games. Uh, why, you know, um, the 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 t almost Tulane, Tulane comeback was second stringer touchdown, and it was against second stringers. The you know Michael Pratt was fantastic because there was no pressure on him because it was a bunch of young guys. So that's kind of I guess what I'm getting at. A long-winded way of getting to what was Grayson Halton even doing out there? Why in that situation? I know you would need to lean on your guys and get them experience and play them in tough situations. I get it. I get it. But. With the game on the line, they're trying to go down and tie it. It's fourth and 15. 
my freshmen are not anywhere near the field. My freshmen are over there on the bench watching the upperclassmen learn how to do it. And the upperclassmen were pretty good. Jordan Kelly was pretty good. Uh, Isaiah Coe was pretty good. Um, who's the other one that I'm thinking of? Ellison. Uh, Ellison was good, yes. Uh, another, about four of them, and they had decent games. I don't know. I just, I just thought personnel-wise, coaching-wise, that was a mistake to have a freshman in that situation to begin with. Yeah, and, and that – Lined up. It's not like he was eager. He was just in the wrong place, just standing over here offsides. Well, here's the flip side of that. So that, that was the fourth and 15. Um, I, the confusing part of that, so that was the fourth and 15 where the C.J. Colden interception happened. Mm -hmm. I'm, here to, I'm here to tell you it was noticeable on the field. I don't know if you guys saw it in the press box. That ball was not going to be thrown if Halton hadn't jumped offside. Okay. So the interception, because Green stopped for a second, realized what happened, and then threw the jump ball. That's why the receiver broke off the route. That's why Colton got the interception. So without the offside, that probably wasn't going to be an interception. It still doesn't excuse the fact that there was the personal foul yeah. where it was almost a targeting against Colton, wiped yeah. off the board. Like, I understand. He caught the ball and was kneeling down yeah. really slow. And at the last possible second, his knee touched the ground a half a second before the guy hit him. If he had caught the ball and kneeled down and then taken the hit, it would have been a penalty. But they, I think they determined, well, he just stood there for like a half a second waiting for the guy to hit him. Yeah, and, and Brent Venables did not get into what the officials said as far as ruling that after the game. He just said that he clearly disagreed with it. But that that was costly in that I, I'm, I'm just trying to say that if that doesn't happen, the interception also doesn't happen. Right. So I don't equate that to wiping an interception off the board, but that did wipe 4th and 15 off the board. Yeah. What did they do? Con Converted on a 4th and 10. That's what West Virginia did. Yep. So that's a major, major mistake. But... Halton gets pulled off the field, and they still convert the fourth and ten. So it, it's not just the the freshman making a mistake like that makes the mistake. Yes, but I, I don't think that mistake cost Oklahoma an interception. It cost them the fourth and fifteen because Green was not going to throw yeah. that ball unless he knew he had the free play. They would have had to replay fourth and fifteen basically, yeah. and instead instead they replayed fourth and ten. So and they converted it, and they converted a number of fourth downs down the stretch, and a number of third downs. Uh, the tackling we haven't really addressed it yet. The tackling was. Absolutely abysmal. Uh, last week against Baylor, uh, missed most tackles. And I'm, I'm just using my eyes here. I'm not using analytics. I'm not using pro football focus or any numbers, certainly, that the Oklahoma coaching staff gives us. Just I wish they gave us eyes. broken tackles that numbers. Would nice. That would be nice. <laughs> uh, most missed tackles last week. This week, fourth quarter, probably in, in terms of just comparing quarter to quarter, this week's fourth quarter was more missed tackles than last week's fourth quarter. Yeah, I wonder – and there was so much stuff to get to after the game with how awful his performance was. But I truly wonder if this was a defense that, again, like we said, played well for the first half and into the third quarter at times. But because OU's offense was so bad and when they had three and outs or, or when they had those positions, they were quick three and outs. But that happened again. Uh, West Virginia won the time of possession battle. West Virginia held the ball for 37 minutes and 15 seconds, including the last six and a half minutes. John, I think that the defense mentally, they didn't handle it very well in the fourth quarter, but I also think they physically wore down because they, they, it felt they like they, had, they, they, they were on the field and that led to more and more tackles. And yeah. you saw that, especially on that last drive where, where West Virginia milked the six and a half minutes. How do you get, how do you get not worn down though? Get off the field on third down. Making tackles. Yeah. Stopping them on third down. It's uh, – it feels like at this point in the season we've run out of things to say. 
It kind of does. Two games left to play. Two games left to play, but the tackling issues, the inability to stop the run. Yeah. Welcome to Kansas State, TCU, and Baylor. Mm -hmm. The offense being totally inept at time. Now, it was a different manner, but welcome to the first quarter and a half against TCU. Welcome to the Texas game. Welcome to, to West Virginia. Like Not only that. Um, Kent State. Yeah, the Kent whole State, first half. right? The whole first half. You want to talk about finally seizing momentum and then having really bad kick coverage and giving all that momentum back and setting a team up to go score a touchdown. And welcome to Kansas State. Like, every single mistake that we saw today is something that we have seen at various points during the year. Yeah. They just took every single bad part. It was as bad as Texas offensively because they could actually run the offense. Sure. So take that game out of it. But all of their other losses, it was like a uh, just greatest a, hits. Yeah, greatest hits all in one game. If you just want to watch one game to describe Oklahoma football this season, roll out the tape against this terrible West Virginia team. Yeah, it was. It, that's exactly what I was thinking, and, and I wrote that in one of my stories, the greatest hits. It was the uh, not being able to make pl- clutch plays in the fourth quarter um, when, when, you know, in winning time. Uh, when you're up by seven or when the game's tied and you need to stop it to get the ball back and you give up a six-and-a-half-minute drive over the final six-and-a-half minutes of the game, that'll get you beat. Um, this team, Ryan, they're five and five. We know they've clinched a losing record in conference play. They they will not have a winning record in Big 12 conference play. The, if they win their last two, they'll be four and five. Can they win their last two? Can they win one of those two and finish six and six and get to a bowl game? They're five and five right now, and every opportunity is ahead of them to go five and seven. I, the argument of can they win them? Sure, because this game, the Baylor game, the Kansas State game, all of those were okay. If you if you change a couple of things here or there, yeah. you win the game. Here's the problem. In the West Virginia game, in the Baylor game, in the Kansas State game, Oklahoma was three or four plays here or there. Brett Vanilles called it winning plays last week, and they consistently have shown us they don't make winning plays. They don't play winning football. And you and I did not get to watch the Oklahoma State game as, as again, we haven't left the stadium yet. But if Spencer Sanders is playing, I, they're not beating Oklahoma State. Nope. If Spencer Sanders is playing and is somewhat just 50% of what he normally is when healthy, they're not <laughs> winning that game. And you're telling me that you want this team with all their expectations to go to Lubbock where a a bowl in year one, I know that looks like it's basically the same thing based off where they were last year, but with all the energy and McGuire and all that and Lubbock being a madhouse and that being Texas Tech's first time to host OU. Uh, The West Virginia students almost forgot to chant SEC. They almost forgot to chant SEC, but they did. They got it in. It was like with like right before the field goal, that last time out, they're like, wait. We have one more chance still in the holster. <laughs> It'll be Lubbock's turn. Lubbock won't forget. That's a madhouse. Those are insane people. Uh, they're not the salt of the earth, West Virginians. They, 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 are, <laughs> they are ready to toss some tortillas, some batteries, and some L's in Oklahoma and Lubbock. Uh, it, like it, based on what we saw today, I am not picking Oklahoma to go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. I'm picking them to go 5-7. and seven. Well, it's not going to be uh, monsoon season in uh, in Norman next next week, but any it might amount, be in West in West <laughs> Texas, so you never know. Any amount of wind, though. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's results last week in yeah. in wind gusts versus this week in just a steady haze over West Virginia were the same. Five and five. They're that close to losing to Oklahoma State and losing to Texas Tech and staying home for the holidays, and uh, I guess so are we. Yeah. I, 
It, this this wasn't a uh, 1998 bingo card that's become the <laughs> that's become the trivia lesson for everything left right and center right because obviously oh you didn't play West Virginia in 98 but like we said it is the first time it's the first time since the Fiesta Bowl that West Virginia has beaten Oklahoma it, it finally happened you wondered if if, if Oklahoma was going to go through this entire decade and, and, and get through without West Virginia and this is the worst West Virginia team they yeah. have played in that span. I don't think it's close. That's right. And there have been some meh West Virginia teams as they've been up and down. To come in here and lose to the worst one, it's a disaster for Brett Venables in year one. It's yeah. unmitigated disaster. Neil Brown coaching for his job, most likely, very much on the hot seat. Uh, I don't think he's going to get off the hot seat, if that makes sense. I don't think there's reason to believe that this West Virginia team is going to win their last two games. I, I don't even have in front of me who they're playing. They've got K-State and Oklahoma State. Yeah, no, they're not going to beat those two teams. So, uh, and the OSU's on the road. K-State here for senior day next OU week. will finish having lost to the last place team in the Big 12 Conference, meaning they are Oklahoma is the last place team in the Big 12 Conference. It's mind-blowing. Uh, how far things have fallen. Uh, you got players like Nick Benito tweeting dur after the game, during the game, if y'all think this is the coach's fault, you you're kidding yourself. Uh, other players are also sounding off, former players sounding off as well. It's not a pretty picture in Norman. A lot to, uh, lot to complain about. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to head home. We're going to head to the uh, Pittsburgh Fairfield, and then we're going to drive to the Pittsburgh airport a few hours later. We've got a 5 a.m. flight, uh, a 6 a.m. flight, so uh, we're going to get out of here. And we're going to leave it with you guys. Be sure and get to allsooners.com where you're going to catch all the post-game uh, videos, stories, opinions. The, the live blog was on fire today. Sorry you missed it. You were I, down on the field. I, yeah, I think that after about the first quarter, it was a combination of I was having trouble getting into it. And then it was so rainy that if like you had the option of I could either get plays or it was going to take five minutes to re-waterproof everything yeah. just to get the camera back up and running. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't worth it. Not for this game. Uh, but, hey, it was a good trip to Morgantown. Uh, Ryan's first trip to, Pits to Pennsylvania. Ryan's first trip to West Virginia. So uh, we had a good time except for the game. The game itself <laughs> Correct. was absolutely miserable. It was I miserable don't... covering it. It was miserable being out there in the conditions. I just feel bad who, for whoever's next to me on my flight tomorrow because I will still be damp. Ugh. <laughs> well, we'll be back with you guys. Uh, we'll have co coverage throughout the weekend, obviously. We'll be back with you guys on Monday from Norman as we hear from Jeff Levy and Ted Roof. Monday night, players availability. Tuesday, Brent Venables. So we'll be back at it next week. Oklahoma State comes to Norman next week, and we'll be covering that as well at allsooners.com. Uh, don't forget the podcast. Like, subscribe, rate, and share the podcast when you get a chance. We really appreciate it. It really helps. You can find all our podcasts on Google, iHeart, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm doing it from memory here. Spotify, Spotify yes. Stitcher. Stitcher, there's another one. Uh, find, wherever you find your podcasts, we'll be there. The All Sooners Podcast. So thanks for watching. We're going to wrap it up. For Ryan, I'm Hoover. We'll see you guys next time.